Are you here? Because if you're not here, we we can't start the Paul Leslie Hour. Dave's here too. Now, uh, let me explain. We've got an interview from our radio archives with Dave Brogan. Now, many of you know Dave Brogan as the drummer, vocalist, and songwriter with the band ALO. Now, back in 2008, Dave released his solo debut, Thunderbird Sun Transformation. It is a coveted album. And if you have it, you hang on to it. If you want it, gotta get it. Your host, Paul Edward Leslie, met Dave through his backstage interview with ALO. And by the way, Dave's here. So anyone who says Dave's not here doesn't know what they're talking about. Dave Brogan is an interesting, intelligent, and very cool, chilled, laid-back dude. We like him. And by the way, we like supporters and helpers, too. You can be a patron of the Spoken Word and Independent Media. Simply go to www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. Even if you just want to buy Paulie a cold beverage or a hot beverage, it's greatly appreciated. Hey, let's hear the time when Dave Brogan and Paul Leslie had a A creative talk, you know, an interview. In fact, hey, he's here. Let's listen to Dave together. Hello? Hey, Dave, this is Paul. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. All right. Our special guest on this episode is Mr. Dave Brogan. David Brogan is a member of the Animal Liberation Orchestra, or ALO, and he is also a solo artist. He's joining us to talk about his album, Thunderbird Sun Transformation. So first of all, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, I'm glad to be here. I don't know if you remember, but uh, I actually interviewed you with the ALO guys a few years back. You guys, Yeah, yeah you guys were with Jack, opening for Jack Johnson in Atlanta. Yeah, I remember that. All right. Well, uh, I wanted to just kind of get a a little background. We didn't get to go into detail on each member too much, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where were you born and what was life like for you when you were growing up? I was born in Fresno, California. That is a town in central California, probably about three, four hours away from San Francisco. And that whole area of Central California is very uh, rural. Well, Fresno is not rural anymore because it's really grown, but I grew up in a little town called Tulare, California. is about 25,000 people. And it's just kind of um, all just farmland out there. A lot of times people don't associate uh, California with, with farming and dairies and stuff like that. But that's sort of where I grew up. Not far from Bakersfield, where a lot of country western guys came from, like Merle Haggard and Buck Owens. And yeah, I just growing up, there wasn't much to do out there. So high school music programs were usually pretty popular. It's like marching band was really actually a kind of a, a exciting thing to do <laughs> in that area because there wasn't a whole lot of other things going on. And 
jazz band. I just did, I just always did a lot of music in school and stuff. That's that was my main exposure to music before I went to college. And what kind of music was was playing around the house? You know, around the house. I mean, growing up, it was very much like just FM radio. So you know, a lot of like you know Fleetwood Mac and <laughs> you know Doctor Hook and bread and you know all the eagles you know a lot of just like what stuff they played on i mean a lot of like hard rock like van halen and journey and grew up with that where i grew up was almost kind of like heart kind of area i i call it like calabrasca a lot of times because it's like in california but you might as well be in nebraska or something it's real it's real heartland so you know we listen to a lot of that type of music bob Seger and that type of stuff for real, but, and then, you know, my mom, we grew up, I grew up going to church too, so there's a lot of church music that I listened to and was exposed to like every week. And, you know, a little bit of country western. And then when the 80s kind of hit, then hip hop became really like a big part of uh, the musical landscape for us, you know. We got really into hip hop very early on. 80, 84, 85. That's a big deal. Tell us about the Oki folk songs. Oh, yeah, the Oki folk songs. Well, my, my, my mom's, you know, like on my dad's side, it's like the way I always say it is like my, on my dad, my dad's side is Irish and my mom's side is Oki. You know, it's like <laughs> Oklahoma is kind of like our country of origin in a way. It's just my mom's side was just part of the, just part of that migration, you know, and, and around the war, around World War II that came out from Oklahoma to California. All our relatives, most of our relatives, all came out at some point in the 40s. Uh, so my, my grandpa, would, uh, we'd sit around, he was a musician, and, and he played like fiddle and guitar, and when I was really young, he would like teach me, he'd kind of like teach me a couple things on guitar, and like he'd sing some, sing some old, you know, kind of just like songs like i can't even remember some of them you know like red red rooster and he'd sing like you know merle haggard songs or or uh hank williams song which almost to me seemed like folk songs in a way you know even that's like country western like the thing that was folky about it was just kind of the way that we would sit around and and sing them you know and and play them like in the living room you know that was that was like the it was just like people's music, you know, and so yeah, that's 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 the Oki folk song. That's that's my Oki musical heritage, basically. So, what was it if you could point to one or two things that made you want to be a musician? Yeah, I think definitely one of the things was just marketing drumline, like the drums in the marching band, like the first time I heard that, you know, I was like really young. I was probably like six or seven and those drums would go by and they, I just remember it just like shake rattling my chest, you know, like my whole body would just vibrate when those, when those drums went by. And I knew that like, I had to do that. You know, I knew that that's the, that, that was just going to be something I was going to do. And I was always just like, kind of a natural, we're pretty good at it, you know, so that's always feels good to be 
good at something and that that's encouraging, you know, to keep doing it. And um, I don't know, you know, it's just like, there weren't like real, a lot of really like seminal experiences. It was just something I always did and just kept doing. I just kept doing it. There was never even any reason to stop. You know, so I just kept playing music and kept taking it to the next level. So how did you meet? I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, man, that's just that. And now that led up to today. <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to do that, you know? <laughs> so how did you meet the other musicians in the Animal Liberation Orchestra or ALO? Um, I met them in college. We all went to the University of California in Santa Barbara and had a, like a really cool, interesting music scene there at the time when we got there because it's, a, it's a, like a really, the college town there is just all college students. It's not like a lot of colleges where the you got one section of town that's like, oh, there's a lot of college students in that section of town near the university. The whole town pretty much is college students. So it's like this really interesting kind of situation there's a lot of parties, and when when we were going to school there, there were a lot of bands that would just set up at parties and play. So you had a lot of musicians, you had a lot of bands. You could always find a place to play every weekend, and it was just a real vibrant kind of scene. And 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 then that was going on in the college town in Santa Barbara. The town itself had a really good music scene going on at the same time. There were tons of places to play, and it was just a great live music situation and so my band i was in a different band that had been going a little bit earlier and then those guys got there and they had their bands that they brought up from brought down from saratoga and we just like we just started playing together just by the fact that we're you know always just seeing each other play music i think at one point like I'm, i just moved my drums into their garage so i just needed a place to practice drums and of course, from there, it just sort of took off. <laughs> the drums stayed. What's that? The drums just stayed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the listeners out there can take a look at your MySpace page, and there's some interesting pictures on there. And there, I think there's one that shows you in, is it Austria? Or oh, yeah, with the hat. Yeah. You've yeah. gotten to play a lot of interesting places. What, what's, what's been the one that's stuck out in your mind the most? Or a couple? Well, I mean, mm, uh, well, we've, we've definitely played some places in that on that tour in Europe. The old, like, old, like, I don't know what they were like. That's like indoor sports stadiums. <laughs> Pretty crazy. I think one, you know, playing in the like they have these in Brazil. They have these samba stadiums where like the Samba parades go through and like, there's just like big bleachers on each side. And we played a couple of those in Brazil with Jack and those are pretty unusual. That was kind of a cool scene. Red rocks in Colorado, I think is just one of the most amazing venues ever built. And you know, that was, that was cool. Work. I mean, out in Georgia, I was just talking with, with my girlfriend last night about how ALO used to play this little, used to play this little bar out in North Augusta, right over the, right over the Savannah River from Augusta in South Carolina. We'd play there like every Friday and Saturday night. 
And uh, it was just like, probably like the closest to a roadhouse, you know, that ALOs ever come to play. It was just it's a crazy late night Southern, Southern scene, you know, cause everyone would, everyone in Augusta would, I think they, in Georgia, you know, they serve alcohol to like two or three in the morning. And then when the bars there would close up or the cop on duty at the bar would give you a plastic cup that you could pour your beer into, <laughs> take with you on the road. And then everyone like jump in their cars and drive over the river and go to South Carolina and, where they could just serve all night and just go until the sun came up. So we were that band, you know, we, we'd, we'd set up at around 11 at night, but like no one would really get there till like three or four in the morning when <laughs> the party would start. So that was a, that was a, that was an unusual place to play. With uh, ALO, you guys have gotten the chance to play some pretty big crowds. And I was yeah. wondering if you could kind of walk us through this experience. What is it like when you're playing someplace where there's just a huge crowd, just kind of for through your eyes? What is that experience like? I kind of think it's it's sort of surreal, but it's also kind of like after the first like after the first like thousand people in the front, you kind of don't even everything else just sort of becomes like a, a a blur of people. You know, it's like a wash. Hmm. And so it, it's not really like one thing you don't necessarily like like feel like every like you know twenty thousand little sets of eyes like on you or whatever. But when it comes to when like the when the crowd actually like applauds or whatever or cheers, like that's pretty intense. That's like some serious sound, you know, coming at you. And there's been some there's been a few shows in particular where it's just like it that 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 kind of like just 20,000, 30,000 people just like screaming at you and like the intense experience, you know, that's what's really exciting about it. I think the energy. Yeah. You have a, a solo album, Thunderbird sun transformation. I was hoping you mm-hmm. could tell us what made you want to decide to kind of branch away from ALO on this project and re- record a solo effort. You know, I think it's just, a chance to do more of my material that wasn't necessarily right for ALO or wasn't the best fit for ALO. You know, being a being one of the songwriters, being one of like four songwriters in the band, there's not always you can't always get all the tunes in there. And some some of the tunes just, you know, weren't weren't right for ALO. And I think just having the experience of doing my own thing and steering my own ship was uh it was it was a good thing to do. Tell us about the song Easy. Well, I wrote that I did I kinda of, that was kinda of inspired by a friend of mine who was kinda of like not taking it very easy at the time. <laughs> being a little being a little up talking. And but I think that I saw like a little reflect reflection of myself in that too, you know? So I think it's a song as much to myself as it is to this person and and you know just like it that lyrically I think it's just sort of an acknowledgement of like how easy it is not to take it easy not to like let, let things go because we live in a society that's pretty stressful and is like make it putting, always putting a lot of demands on us you know a lot of us have all bought into this, into a system that's not necessarily the most healthy thing for our psyches 
all the time. So I think it's sort of a trying to be like a reminder of that, you know, like, um, you know, a lot of these pressures that we feel are not, uh, we don't necessarily need to take them on just because someone's telling us we should, hmm. you know, we have a choice to kind of look at it from the other direction and of, of like, I'm going to choose my main goal in life is to be, you know, peaceful and, and easy. And I'm going to look at all this other stuff from that direction and choose what, uh, what I want to take on and what I don't want to take on. This can be hard sometimes for a musician to put into words, but what is it that you like about music? Uh, well, you know, I, I think on a, on a real basic level, like I like sound, you know, I've always been really just keyed into sound. So it's just an opportunity to play with sound and experiment with sound and uh, share sounds with other people. And I also really love being creative. I don't know when I'm when I'm in a creative state. That's sort of like bliss for me. It's a blissful state. So I think it's a combination of those two things where I can be creative and with with my love of sound hmm. and combine those two things in one activity. It's just sort of it's just sort of uh, what does it for me. There's another song on your album that I really like called "The Infinite Eye." Tell us about that one. Well, that was that was quite sort of lyrically sort of a similar thing, right? Kind of a, I think there's a, a small kind of sub theme on the album of this idea of the, the values of the world not necessarily being always the values that are that are best for people, and I think kind of like you know the infinite eye. I, I, the same message of like changing the awareness, you know, or just just uh, having an awareness of that. That there's a lot of values that we're told that we're supposed to have, and a lot of people don't even take the time to make the conscious choice about that. They just take it on, and that's not always the best thing for people. It's not always the best thing for me. I think I was just going through a period of that of like re- trying to reevaluate what I wanted my values to be, and, and kind of looking at where they came from the values that I had mm-hmm. or the values that a lot of people have. And so that's sort of what was going on lyrically with that song. And musically that song came together in a weird way too, because it started with a little sketch, like this guitar loop sketch that I put together on with Pro Tools on my laptop. And it was really just done really quickly. I was just kind of fooling around. And then later I, you know, I had, so I had this loop, and that was going, and later on, I came up with the lyrics. But it's kind of neat because that original loop that I made, just as a sketch, is still the main loop in the song. So it it that it carried over all the way from the very beginning of the idea, all the way through to like the final version of the song. So I really like the way that the the process that I used to come up with the music for that song was pretty cool. That's something I'd like to. That song in particular, I'd like to sort of explore that style more on the next album. Hmm. So when somebody listens to your album, Thunderbird Sun Transformation, or when they listen to something you do with ALO, or when they hear you in concert, what is it that you hope that the listener gets out of the experience? Hmm. Well, I think different people get different things out of music, I think, you know, but I think, oh, I think 
That's better. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry, like a big piece of news <laughs> happened now. Pass the test? Yeah, somebody passed the test. All right. <laughs> somebody passed a really important test. Excellent. Uh, yeah. You know, that's kind of what I want people to get out of out of my music when they hear it. Kind of like the feeling of passing a really important test. <laughs> and the joy that that can bring. Very good. Yeah, you know, it's just really about like alleviating. It's just about alleviating stress and being more able to plug into like a kind of a blissful art experience. You know, that that's what I think listening to music is about. Tell us about Stony Fields. Let's see, Stony Fields is about. Where I grew up in Tulare, um, I was driving through the valley one day, one night in the evening, and it, you know the valley is the San Joaquin Valley is there's a lot of it's very lush when it's planted, but there's also a lot of fields that don't have anything in them, and they're just sort of like rocky and barren you know, and dusty. So I was I was driving through the valley. Main Highway 99, and there, there was all these like barren fields all around me, and the highway was lined with all these trees, and it was it was getting thing near sundown, and there were all these crows were coming into the trees to roost for the night. I mean, there are like thousands and thousands and thousands of crows coming into these trees. So I kind of got the idea of like these crows were like visions, you know, in the night or watchers in the night. But the fields, you know, it's kind of like saying about getting me out of the field. The field is about, like, having to leave my home, you know, to do music, because there's not a lot of opportunities for musicians in a rural area like that. So it's sort of just about, like, having the energy to to leave home you know, in, in search of uh, what you want to accomplish in life. Mm. And somehow those pros sort of inspired me to think about that. I have two final questions before we go. Yeah. What is your all-time favorite meal? My all-time favorite meal? Yes. Food meal. You mean the one that I've had or just like what my favorite dish or like a meal that I had in the past that was like really great? The one that... What do you think? It could be either one. It could be one that you would like to have or one that you have had. (laughs) Well, here's... This is like... I don't know. I had this meal. I had a meal in in Florence once in Italy that was sort of like sort of like unforgettable. And it was just the food was great. It was right in this little like restaurant right on the other side of the Ponte Vecchio, like on the I, I don't know, starting on the you know if you start on the side of the of the city where all the sort of the old in the downtown area is, and you go across Ponte Vecchio, there's this little place around the other side. And we went in there to eat. It was like dinner time. It's had a little tiny restaurant, but they had like communal tables where we sat down with a bunch of other people. And we just started doing the, the meal thing, like the real way, you know, where you like, you, have, you get the antipasti and you get the, 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 the first dish, the second, first course, second course, and everything is coming. We have the wine. But the, the amazing thing about the meal was like the server whatever you later, whatever. The guy was just, I could see him. He would, he would just stand back in the kitchen 
and he was just watching. He was just watching us ski. And as soon as we went, his timing was so perfect. You know, it'd be like he'd finish something, and then he'd get a little bit of time just to enjoy a little wine, but just the right amount of time, and then he'd bring it in that dish, and everything was just perfectly timed, like to an extent, like, I don't think I've experienced it in any restaurant in the United States, not even like the nicest restaurant I've ever been to in the U.S. has not done it like the way this guy did it. So that was like, that was probably my best meal ever. I mean, just because of the attention to the experience that that the people who were making the meal had. But I also really like a good burrito. A burrito. <laughs> yeah. A good San Francisco mission-style burrito can just about do it for me anytime, too. <laughs> Very good. Well, yeah. I, have, I have one final question. This broadcast yeah. is going out all over the world. What would you like to say to all yeah. the people that are listening in? Just thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting ALO, and thanks for supporting my music. Check out Thunderbird Sun Transformation, my album. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it from CD Baby. And uh, do you have a lot of Hawaiian listeners to your show? or We have some. Yeah, well, I'm going to be in Kauai from the 14th to the 29th, playing around the island. Might do a Surfrider Foundation benefit with Donovan Frankenrider and some guys. So if anyone's out on Kauai, keep an eye out. I'll be there. All right. Well, <laughs> Mr. Brogan, thank you very much for this interview. Thanks a lot, Paul. It was a pleasure. Yeah. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song, courtesy of John Premerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good.